Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana, and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self. And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey. We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone. So let's dive in, transparently speaking. So Diana, I thought today I would love to explore a topic that I began exploring in a coaching session just the other day. And it's come up for me in a recent, just this past weekend, Samantha and I were at a volleyball tournament. And I'm kind of falling in love with the parents of this group or some of the parents. And it really made me want to tell like one person in particular, but it really made me want to share Samantha's story. And because she's been just undisclosed, like, and we've generally had this agreement that we're not sharing it, right? I've been torn about this. Um, You said, why does it make me want to share it? So this particular parent was telling a story about her kids And it was this powerful story kind of about observing some bullying and how she feels so strongly and is raising her kids in such a way that when they see something that's not right or when somebody's not being treated appropriately, she set the expectation that her kids are to jump in. That if they aren't acting or saying something, that they're part of the bullying. So she's really set this strong expectation for her kids. And just hearing her say that, I was like, oh, I want you to be supporting us. And (laughs) did she say whether her kids do it or not? So she gave an example of how one of her daughters didn't do it in this circumstance and how she came down hard on her as a result. And then there, I think was a positive story. Like, and then the next time this is what happened. And she was kind of beaming with pride. So what would be your goal in telling her? Besides maybe having, sounds like some, some well-trained allies for Samantha. I think actually, I think that's really key. There's so many layers of this, be honest. So it's a bit complex in my brain, but finding and identifying allies for us is definitely part of it for sure. What would be different if you had more allies? Oh, what would be different? I feel like several things would be different. I feel like with those allies, I can show up as my true self. So we've talked a bit about my struggles in terms of part of my identity is being a mom of a transgender kid. And I can't live that identity except with a handful, small group of people in my family. What do you mean you can't live that identity? Like what would your living look different? I would be a lot more outspoken in situations and circumstances like what's currently happening in our school district. I would love to be on the front lines of some version of protests or rallies or communication about how this is impacting my kid. And right now we choose not to because Samantha chooses to be undisclosed. And what is Samantha's relationship with this friend's child? Like, are they close or so-so or? Yeah, yeah. So this friend's child is on her volleyball team. So this group of girls is awesome. They all get along really well. And I would love to think that maybe Samantha could choose in the future to tell some or all of them too about her identity. So where does this leave you right now? 
So where it leaves me is some of the processing I've done already is in making a decision to plan out some conversations with Samantha. I've been thinking about this for a while. This weekend was sort of like a tipping point for me, but I've been thinking about it for a while since we've decided to move, actually, because I've been thinking as part of the moving, this might be a good opportunity with people we've developed relationships with to identify or handpick some that we could kind of disclose our scenario and situation to be able to explain why we're leaving. Because that's been really hard. I've been awkwardly like finding myself in the midst of conversations and kind of indicating, oh, well, we're not going to be here next year. Oh, you're moving. Yeah, yeah. Why are you moving? We're not really aligned with some of the school board's actions and the politicization of what's going on in our school district. But I'd love to say, my daughter's transgender and this school district does not support us. We need to be out of here. Out of curiosity, what's the reaction when you give the answer you give? They're really like, oh, really? Like half the people are clueless or like even people in the district. They're like, oh, what's going on? That just makes me so frustrated. (laughs) What that makes me realize, though, I think honestly, I might have been one of those people in the past because many of us live our lives right in our little tunnel of survival and whatever is happening there. And we can only take in so much, right? And so I do think that it's not that uncommon. And it makes me frustrated because now that I'm part of the group being impacted, like we need all those people to know so they can speak up for us too. Do you think it would be different than speaking up, like knowing about Samantha versus knowing that whether you have a child of trans experience or not, that the environment is causing you to leave? Not sure I understand the distinction or what's the question? Sure. If I hear you correctly and you tell me if I'm wrong, it's almost as if like, if you could say I am a parent of a transgender child, you think that these parents would come more into action, into allyship. Oh, just saying not that I'm a parent, but that this does not align with us to the point where we're moving. Yeah. Well, so I'm thinking of one parent in particular and she, you know, her response was, wow, that's really, I feel so badly that Somebody else's choices are driving you guys to leave, to move from a home and a space that that you enjoy. And it's hard to be able to articulate to that person that those choices are what's happening, that there's a gigantic risk of my daughter's experience in the school district like being negative, right? Without being able to say that. So I do think, I do think it's without being able to say it, there's it's hard to help someone understand. And I do think that without the story, I think it's my perception on this is the concept of transgender really is unless someone knows someone or knows a story, they won't make the effort to understand because it takes an effort to understand. It is not a norm. Like our brain doesn't function that way. We truly do function in the buckets of understanding, right? The blacks and whites, the concept of gender. So Even though our kids are growing up in a space that's creating the gray and it's allowing for non-gendered expression and experiences, folks who are adults before that became more normative have a really hard time. And it requires us to truly think about it and question the way that we understand the boxes of gender. And so I truly believe that with the story is the only way you can engage with someone 
to understand. Yeah. I mean, we were talking a little bit before this about our family moved and we didn't move far. We moved (laughs) one town over, but when Clark decided to be undisclosed, made it hard for me to make friends because I'm dealing with the school when it comes to human growth and development curriculum, how it's taught, because I don't want them to teach something that erases his identity about the locker rooms, about the bathrooms, and not being able to say, I mean, I was able to say things like, well, as a retired OBGYN, this isn't accurate, and I think it needs to be more inclusive. I have said things like, well, we have a loved one who's of trans experience, and it's important. Either I'm going to speak out or my kids will about the error in the, in the discussion. But it really caused me to not really want to be too close of friends with anybody because there's like something to your point that I could not share. It weighs on your mind. I'm battling. One time it was for camp. They weren't so sure that they would allow him to go to camp based on his identity. And so I have other parents like, oh, is he coming? Is he coming? Like, I don't know. You know, and like, you can't share. Like, this is weighing on your mind the whole time. Can I make this happen? And this is on much, in my opinion, lower scale than what you're dealing with. But it's something that's constantly on your mind. And some of the people, to your point, I think, would be allies. At that time for Clark, it was a no-go. So it was... Silent suffering and Arthur, my husband, was the one that got to hear everything. (laughs) What I heard you say was that it felt like you didn't want it or that you couldn't get too close. Yeah. What was that? What was that about? Because at some point, like you said, it's a part of our identity. It's a part of our life. And what I found was people like, I'd be stressed out because I'm dealing with bathrooms or locker rooms or human growth and development or camp or whatever. I'm dealing with this and I'm really stressed about it. And people are like, hey, how are you? And I'm a real straightforward person. (laughs) So I'm not one of those people that are usually like, great. It might sound like that though. Like, (laughs) no, you're not. So it was like, well, shoot, I don't know how to be myself. It does not feel comfortable for me to be us. I mean, you say silly things. I don't mean silly, but common things like, oh, you know, the usual surviving, stressful. And if they say what's stressful, just vague answers. Life. Right. Four kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And that would be so uncomfortable for me. It would make me push away. I'm like, I don't want to have the conversations anymore because I don't like having to do this. And I don't like not being able to share. It's almost more painful. Yeah. That makes me really curious, kind of like, how do you navigate and decide amongst your connections and your friends who you communicate with about Clark? Yeah. Well, in regards to Clark, we always talked about it from the very beginning, which Clark and I were talking, it's going to be a decade in July. A decade. Wow. Crazy. Of 10 years. So back then, he made it very clear I want you to tell anyone that knows, like, no, knew me prior to transition. Then, and so that's how it all began. And those are the main people I will talk to. And I'll be fully okay, good thing he doesn't listen to this fully transparent (laughs) that I have told a couple people 
that don't live in the state that have never met my family. So I did coaching certification online. We had groups online. So I've met people in different countries and different. And even then I would usually ask them, but once in a while I would just, especially with being coached, I would just say it, but I was very choosy on with who and what's the chance. So most of them, some in other countries, some in other States would I disclose. And it's interesting with Dinah, I don't think Dinah gets it and it's completely clear. So that feels like a little bit heavy responsibility of how to know. I don't offer it up, but I don't feel like I'm holding it back either. If it comes up, it comes up. It just really hasn't come up for him, mainly because he has bigger issues, <laughs> like sensory issues and navigating life. It's like gender, that's nothing. <laughs> well, you've been through that one already, right? Yeah. 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 As you were reflecting on that, I think I've made some similar and some different choices. I think I've really leaned into what I'm going to call community. It's not a true community in that most of this group I refer to as a community of coaches. They don't know each other, but I feel like everybody that I engage with that I know is a certified coach, we maintain this level of confidentiality and trust and safety. And so I feel so blessed actually that I've joined this as a career path because I have this network that feels just so supportive. And I've enrolled many of them when I have the opportunity to share a little bit about our story. I invite people who are curious to learn more and I share resources because I'm constantly trying to increase that allyship and that level of understanding because that will only impact you know, positively in our world. But yeah, so. I'm trying to think. So if it's okay to come back to this. So <laughs> yeah, let's go back to your friend. Yeah. So this volleyball group is what really kind of triggered me. I think my next steps are to have conversation with Samantha. Like I really want to get her on board with this and I want to partner with her in defining what this is going to look like. I think the first awareness I have is that because I've been thinking about this a long time since we've planned to move, that it's going to take her some time maybe to be open to this idea. So I'm thinking about it from a change management perspective, knowing that change is always hard. And this is something I'm pretty committed to. And Hugh and I think are on board that it feels like a good idea and opportunity in a couple ways. One, just for me, as we've talked about in allyship. Two, I feel like it's an opportunity. I'm really hopeful. My fingers are crossed. I want to believe in the good of the vast majority of humanity. So real quickly, you're talking about reveal, like disclosing, not moving. Disclosing. Yeah, thank you. So, right. I'm really believing that the opportunity moving is providing us to leave a group of people that we've developed relationship with, to have a conversation with them. Sort of this is separate from, there's kind of two groups. There's this volleyball group that I'm hopeful about, but there's a group that I feel like we have a little bit of a safe path because we're going to be leaving. So I feel like if we select a subset of them to communicate with and things don't go well, we can close the door. Meaning like, okay, you're not supportive. We'll never talk to you again. (laughs) Right? And I'm hoping... No forwarding address for you. No forwarding address for you. But I'm hoping that there won't be hate or that there won't be any other negative consequence to follow us there. I hope it will just be a matter of We believe very different things about this. And as such, we agree to no longer engage. 
<laughs> I'm hoping that that's the worst case scenario. I have a level of confidence in the type of people I have in mind that that would be the case. My fingers again are crossed and hoping that right. humanity is good. And so it just feels like kind of a, a relatively safe space to dip our toes in the water of this concept of disclosure. And part of my hope here also is that Samantha will see that I believe her biggest fear of just being seen as different and not wanting people to see her as different, that by engaging with a group that knows her for who she is, and then articulating another fact about her will allow them to see that that's just who she is and that she isn't quote different or that they're not going to see her that way. And I'm really hopeful that this creates this beautiful space for her to recognize that maybe it doesn't have to be too scary if that's something she's willing to consider. And what if the opposite occurs? I guess we'll navigate that. I guess we're going to navigate that when it comes. And what if she says no through all your, because I get this sense from your conversation that you feel you will be successful in the end to convince (laughs) her. I do. And this is part of what my struggle was, is recognizing that there is a power dynamic here, right? Like I'm the parent. I've been making these decisions to this point. And this is the one thing that we've allowed her to decide so far is that she's remaining undisclosed. And I'm kind of saying, okay, time's up on that. Or we're going to be a little more selective about how that happens. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I do feel pretty confident that between Hugh and I, we can articulate some of the benefits of exploring this. I think maybe the risk, if it doesn't go well, is that then she'll never want to disclose to anyone. Right. Do you have a roundabout time that you're thinking about moving? Yeah. I mean, sometime this summer, we're trying to move in the next few. We'd love to move somewhere before the school starts so they can start in their new school. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, if it doesn't go well, how long are you living in that environment? Yeah. I mean, we're really hoping not not long, right? And I think, again, we're going to be real choosy about who we're communicating with in terms of, again, ways we can navigate if things aren't real easy in this process. Because I will say, I remember uh, there was a social worker we talked to a while ago who, you know, works with uh, gender diverse teens. And I remember him saying like, coming out is a one-way ticket. Like there's no going back in. Once you come out, you can't go back in. Yeah. And so it's interesting because as you know, now with Clark, he has told some people he doesn't like out, out in school. But when we've talked, whether I'm giving a talk, going to say something or not going to say something. And I talked to him about it more like people may ask, may wonder why I'm doing this, why I'm giving these talks. And I usually just say, because I have a loved one and leave it at that. But I'm like, people may get curious. And now he's very much like, it's fine, which is very different than what it used to be. But now he's like, if it comes out, it comes out. Not for those of you that know him, that you can go start saying things. He's not saying that, (laughs) (laughs) but he's saying that he can handle it. Okay. And I can tell you from my experience, it feels very different, but that was also Clark was very much in secrecy and not privacy, which we've talked about. Yeah. And what do you think is different now? I don't know for him what made him less anxious. I do feel like he owns a part of who he is. I think he sees it as he's not wrong. There's nothing wrong with him. 
I think he, we've talked about this before through his music school found people that were very accepting. And so even though he knows it sometimes is not safe, he has a group where it is safe. So I think there is a level of confidence that he definitely doesn't feel like going to high school and letting it be known. He definitely thinks that's not a safe place. However, some of the, there is overlap between his music school and his high school. But I also think the people that know that go to his high school, you know, know that it's not their their story to tell. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of young people are pretty aware of that. So I, I think he's more comfortable in his skin is the bottom line. That's beautiful. And I know at one point we sort of explored how I know a piece of guidance you left for me and Samantha was this concept of she may always identify as a woman. Mm -hmm. And what's key to recognize is based on where we are in our society, the rest of society would never label her that way, that there needs to be some level of acceptance or awareness around how others will identify her as transgender. And so I'm always really curious, like how, what that will mean for her, how she'll navigate that. I think that's one of the differences for Clark. I still don't think he would, if you asked him, he'd say I'm a transgender boy. However, I think he owns that definition more in the sense of like, he may not, I don't know. I have to ask him if he would define himself, but I think he recognizes that that's how he is seen and technically by definition who he is. He's more likely to identify as queer. Okay. That has to do with his sexual orientation, not his gender. Okay. I think he's more proud of that. I probably just shocked a few people. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, so please educate us because I still feel like the word queer is used in so many ways that it's kind of like used as this big umbrella term to mean just that something is not following the standard heteronormative, gender normative path. Yes. Queer and gender queer are used in a multitude of ways. So you have to kind of use it by context. He's definitely talking about sexual orientation, but people that are gender queer, I've heard some people define when they've defined themselves that way, they mean they're attracted to all genders. Mm. And then I've heard some people define themselves as gender queer, meaning they're under the umbrella of non binary. So again, one's sexual orientation. <laughs> One is gender identity. So, and queer itself usually is sexual orientation, usually. And from a sexual orientation perspective, it's different though than saying you're homosexual. No one uses that term. They'll say gay. So instead of saying gay, but are gay and queer then the same? I do not know. To me, in my mind, they are, but I don't know if there's an element of that all gender thing. I don't think so with Clark. I'd have to ask. I think the other thing, it was several years ago, so I can only imagine how it's blossomed since then. But I remember some conversations several years ago, like how Facebook had like 17... 61 gender identities. Is that what you're thinking? Right. Like gender identities and sexual identities, you know, like pansexual and right, like all this stuff. And I had no idea what any of it meant. So... Yeah, I had just been under the impression that queer just sort of meant like, yeah, it's one of those other than heterosexual. (laughs) So yeah, I've always been curious and I'm out of the loop on how to use the right language. 
So when do you begin the conversations, <laughs> Samantha? <laughs> yeah, I think first I want to get, make sure Hugh and I are totally on board and probably even on board with like who I'm going to propose, like have an idea of which families and which people I want to propose to be kind of first on the list and just feel prepared about it. But I suppose I would like to, in the next week, I'd like to start at least the seed planting because I think it's going to be over a period of time that we have have some of these conversations. Well, you will keep us informed. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing for you. I think it's amazing for Samantha. I think it's amazing for the community. Like you pointed out, the more people can put a face to gender, to the issue of being transgender, the more allies we grow. And yes, there is a huge risk to it. So I don't know what the right answer is, but I know that you all will find it. Yeah. And I'm not so confident there's a right answer per se, even for us, but it feels like a good path to pursue. And we shall see if Samantha agrees. (laughs) There it is. But yeah, no, I say right kind of cheeky, right? There's nothing, there's no right or wrong on this journey. Thanks for your support. Always. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast. Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at transparentlyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana. Diana.